Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network. This is where you'll find your tennis news. And this is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide the roadmap for that journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking with mentors that have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Normally on the first uh, Thursday, it's Coach Alan Fox. The second Thursday is Coach Chuck Reese. And on the third, uh, fourth, and fifth Thursdays, we rotate around. Regularly, you'll hear Dr. John Murray, except during the uh, pro football uh, season, uh, you get Coach Scott Williams, uh, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, uh, Dr. Bryce Young, uh, Ashley Hobson, uh, Coach Scott Engie. And during the last uh, almost four years now, we've been blessed to have Nick Saviano on. Uh, I just said Scott Engie, uh, Jim March, the uh, founder and uh, publisher of Florida Tennis Magazines on. We've also been blessed to have many college coaches, high school coaches, uh, USTA officials, PTR and USPTA uh, executive directors on. And, uh, and, and days like today, we have a special guest, Javier Planecki. I hope I pronounced his name right. Uh, who has been writing articles for the last couple years, uh, not complimentary of the USTA, uh, but um, I do believe, as I've said before, I think we have to be able to communicate with each other and talk to each other, and more important than talk to each other, to be able to listen to each other, which is even more important, so... Of course, the nice thing about uh, Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen at any time you choose to this broadcast. And, of course, on Wednesdays we have uh, Chuck Reese, uh, American Tennis, and now on Sundays we have uh, Coach's Corner with Randy uh, Blumendale on. So um, you can tune in at any time you want. I've listen to um, yesterday's uh, broadcast with American Tennis Live, but truthfully, that doesn't happen too often. Most of the time, I'm listening first thing in the morning or late at night, but yesterday, I happened to be free at that time. A good broadcast. You should go and uh, listen to them. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are missing out on some useful information. And because I do believe Dr. Ching, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis, and naturally you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Who knows, uh, together we might wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. I've been trying for a number of years, but it could happen yet. I'm accused of being a dreamer. I don't deny it. Uh, I'm 
still looking for it to happen, and it might. And, of course, besides our weekly conversation, The Almighty Willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca.att.net. Who knows, you may read your views in Florida Tennis or hear them on one of our Coach Denise sharing tennis blessings broadcast. It would not be the first time that happened. And while we're talking about Florida Tennis Magazine, remember, if someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. Or in between issues, you can find Jim Marks and my articles as well as other information that happens in between uh, issues of Florida Tennis Magazine. I have an interesting uh, guest on today. I think I see him on now. Uh, I will introduce him. And uh, let me just say, too, that I've said that we will give my commentary, and I promised I would do it before rather than after. And as you know, I now post it on Saturdays, like you've asked on uh, my uh, network uh, and some others. But I think today's discussion is important enough that I'm going to wait and not give you my commentary in, uh, beforehand. Javier, are you there? Yes, I am, John. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I know you and I have talked uh, a few times, and uh, I, uh, what I like about, I, as you and I know because we've uh, talked a few times, I disagree with uh, some of the things that you say, and uh, I do believe, uh, but I do believe we can make the USTA better, and I think that's what you really want to do, too, although... Uh, Lately, um, your messages have been getting stronger than it was. Well, I started following you about two years ago because I do believe everybody uh, should be uh, heard. Um, but I do believe that tennis should be going through our high schools and colleges. And uh, I, too, have some quarrels with the USTA, but I do believe uh, just like America is not perfect, uh, but there's, quite frankly, there's no place else that I would want to live. Uh, and uh, USTA is the same way. I could think of many, many things that they, in my opinion, they've done well. Uh, but um, could they do better? Yes. And I think it does start with listening. And my biggest disappointment, really, is that uh, over the last two years that I've been reading your uh, articles that are very thoughtful, the USTA has not commented on that. Uh, in my in his last issue of Florida Tennis was part three of my uh, Coach Denise uh, changes risky and necessary. And as I stayed in there, I suggest those now serving in our tennis and other governing bodies are honorable individuals trying to do the best for the organization they're working for. But I, but I also think that those serving need to hear our opinions 
and should take more time to analyze them before dismissing ideas. And um, quite frankly, that's my feeling on uh, dismissing high school tennis. I think they look at it as a uh, social thing rather than competition. And uh, in um, my last article, I asked why is the NFL – the NBA and uh, now uh, even American baseball, uh, all our, the players are going to college uh, from high school and into those sports. Why not tennis? So I'm like I told you before, uh, this is not an I got you program. And uh, I'm going to let you, uh, you can talk, address it by some of your articles, but I'm going to let you talk for quite a while. And then I, I will have some questions, and uh, I hopefully we can get people to listen because I think we're at a point in society where we're looking for times to interrupt and challenge people. So I'm not going to interrupt you and challenge you. When you feel like taking a break, let me know, and we'll get to I have some questions I would like to ask. Sure. Okay, go ahead, Javier. Tell well, us something my, about my, yourself and how you got involved in this here and, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. And, and of course, what I like about what you do and what I uh, – you're one of the few people that responded to the article without using derogatory information and just, you know, just sitting there. I could see you've done – your homework on issues, and that's what I'd like to hear from you if I can. Of course. Uh, I'm originally from Bolivia, which is one of the poorest countries in the universe. And uh, I always wanted to come here, and I did come here many, many years ago, and uh, from a a personal standpoint, America represents many things. It represents the land of opportunity, and this is so important because I can tell you most people who live in America don't understand America. And I have the fortune of being all over the world traveling, and therefore, even though I am originally from Bolivia, one of the poorest countries in the universe, I actually happen to live and have a family, which all of them are, of course, American. Uh, And this is really important. Because what drives me is I see the USTA, and every time I go to work or I take my kids to school, I see empty tennis courts everywhere. In the schools, I see them at the clubs, I see them at the parks, and what my eyes see is a tremendous waste of resources. And obviously, I used to play tennis, I used to travel, I used to play the ITF when I was young, obviously, around South America on clay. I'm a, I'm a decent player, decent to lower, good player. And I started to join the USTA and the juniors and go through all the tournaments, the whole thing. And the moment I started to see how their system works, I started to understand because I was very involved. Obviously, I wanted my kid to succeed. I also coach uh, a few kids. I give lessons even though I don't have time. Uh, And I'm a a student of the game, so I know quite a lot, not only about tennis, but also the structure. And obviously, I have a business degree. 
uh, and, and I'm a global person. So I wanted to bring all that understanding the USDA always to try to answer why why isn't aren't more people playing tennis? And the more I the more I actually researched about it, the more I got involved, the more I found and looked at the data. I'm a consultant by trade, meaning I can go into a business and tell you what's wrong rather quickly. And of course, uh, I did the same for the USTA. And this is what I tried to do, which is to highlight how is it possible that a country that has so many resources, tennis specific, can do so poorly in tennis. And, and, and I've made videos, I contacted the board, I wrote letters asking in very, very polite ways how I would like to <clears throat> have lunch with the local guy here, the local director who happens to be a, a Mexican fellow. I speak Spanish, so we, I invited him to lunch. Uh, and I said, let me, let me get together with you and I can explain to you what I see that is wrong. And I see many things that are wrong. I was hoping to get an answer more like, sure, let's go have lunch and tell us what's wrong. And then maybe be giving an explanation as to why things are like that or not. But the more I started to understand the financials of the USDA and how it works and how the inner workings are, the more I realized the USTA is run like a third world country. And what does that mean? I come from a third world country. It really means an elite group of people run things, but run things to the advantage of themselves, not to the advantage of the population in general, in this case, tennis. Because there isn't a sport that you could name that has more funding than tennis. So by logic, if Tennis is the sport that has the most funding guaranteed every year because of the U.S. Open of about $330 million, and that doesn't include the new contract that USTA got with ESPN for 11 years for $800 million more. Tennis should be the number one sport, the, the number one individual sport in the United States. However, it isn't. And in fact, you are 100%, John. High school uh, tennis has, if I'm not mistaken, you may correct me if I'm wrong, 340-some thousand kids that could play. I think it's 186,000 women and 156,000 men, something like that. And right. that is an enormous number that you could actually triplicate because those people, if they are looked at as consumers, meaning they'll take coaching lessons, They'll fill parks. Their kids will help uh, grow the sport. They will become league members. They will feed the supply chain, let's call that, of keeping tennis alive. What the USDA does, and tomorrow you'll be a, a witness to that, for example, is invest their resources in what I call the entertainment business. And this is very, very important for people to understand. Because this is fundamentally, in my mind, terrible what they do. And I'm going to try to contain my words because I really feel very passionate of how they misuse the money. The Labor Cup is an entertainment event, much like the U.S. Open. So when you go see the Labor Cup, and you, everybody listening, please do this. Go online, click on the Labor Cup, and find out how much a pair of tickets cost. I did that this morning. You know what? Four tickets, $5,000. Who can afford 
$5,000 to go see a match. I'm sure there's a lot of people who can, but the reality is most people can't. This tells you how completely out of line the USTA is because they're making a spectacle out of tennis when it isn't. That business of entertaining people is one business because guess what? When we go to the U.S. Open, my mom goes, my dad goes, my sister goes, my kids go. Out of all those people, only three play, and I have about ten members of my family. So even though ten of us go to the U.S. Open, only my kids play. I play too, but not to the point to play tournaments or whatever. I don't do that anymore. So only two kids play, and one of them in a, in a competitive way, and my other kid, she just plays because I like it, not necessarily because she likes it. So if you take my family as an example, ten of us go, but only one person is really a consumer of tennis. And this is something that people need to understand because the USDA makes it seem as if all 10 of us do tennis. No, we don't, because we also go to a Broadway show, but that doesn't mean we want to be actors, and the Broadway show doesn't try to or pretend to say, oh, so many people come here, acting is great. No, it isn't. And this is really important to understand because the people that go watch the sport are not necessarily the same amount of people or the people that actually play the sport. Now, you don't have to believe me. Everybody that's listening, you don't have to believe me. All you got to do is when you go to your park, you're going to see how many kids play and pay attention to how old they are if you find them. And more important, see how many young adults play. You're going to find out none do. And if there's somebody in the courts, and that's my experience in Miami, they're usually older people. Older meaning people over the age of 65. So this disconnect is so huge that my intention is to actually to help and talk to the people that control the game because I was under the assumption that maybe they don't see this and maybe they're just looking at the success of the U.S. Open, which it is a success and nobody will deny it. However, I, I will qualify that. But there is a confusion that the USDA uses to highlight how well tennis does because they try to make everybody think the U.S. Open is tennis in America, and that's not true. If you look at the high school uh, participation in tennis, there's a lot of tennis players, but guess what? Nothing is organized in a way to keep those players from playing or keep enough of them so they continue to play. Another point that you want to consider is the fact that, for example, the system that the USDA puts up basically for the 10s, 12s, 14s is such that it is shaped like a cone, meaning a lot of them start at the bottom, whatever number, right? But in the end, so few stay, it actually defies the whole purpose of growing the game. It is impossible to grow the game under that dynamic. So I try to reach out to the USDA try to get a meeting to help because I thought they would welcome help. But to my surprise, not only do they not want help, they're absolutely convinced that what they're doing is correct. And you can't possibly, if you don't spend a little bit of time to understand all this data that they have, you can reach the conclusion, oh, yeah, tennis is great because the U.S. Open is great. And I can tell you this, 
The U.S. Open is a mirage. The U.S. Open has nothing to do with tennis. It uses tennis. Let me give you another example. And before, I, this, this afternoon, I, I checked these facts. The U.S. Open, in the U.S. Open webpage that you could go now, you will see that it says that this year has been the best year of tennis in the U.S. Open. They've exceeded expectations, and they have 732,000 people go through the gates uh, <clears throat> at this 2018 U.S. Open. Okay, that sounds great, but what they don't tell you is they've actually increased the stadium capacity by 10,000. If you add the 10,000 capacity, seating capacity per day for 14 days, you have 140,000 extra seats that they could have filled or sold. So if you consider the fact that in 2009 they had 700 and I think 712,000 people go, and this year, 732,000, but with 140,000 more seats, you would actually reach the conclusion that less people are going to see the U.S. Open. Now, that's one thing. Then if you look 10 years back, how much has the population grown, right? Because you want to know how much the population has grown, because if it's flat, it means the country's not growing in population. Well, guess what? In the past 10 years, the population has grown roughly 6 or 7%. So 6 and 7% growth in the population means you have 6 or 7% growth at a minimum that you should have by people attending the U.S. Open. But guess what? If you consider what I just told you, you will reach the conclusion that the actual attendance to the U.S. Open has actually declined about 11%. Of course, this, these numbers you can verify. I can send you documentation to support it. But here's another truth. The truth is young people, and young people I mean anybody under 29 really, they're not going to watch a five-hour match. It is just not in their DNA. It is not going to happen. And this is also very important because this entertainment event that the USTA creates and promotes and tries and gives you all the data, how many people came, how many people came every day, everything they'll tell you about that. But guess what? They don't tell you how much they've grown tennis by age, by sex, by state, by age division, by adults. This information is nowhere to be found. He throw this number at you. These are big numbers. Last 10 years, investment, U.S. Open, a new stadium with a new roof. Keep in mind, a new roof where a lot of people think, oh, my God, a new roof, that's great. Yes, it's great, but no, it's not great. Why not? First of all, what are the odds of raining on the particular day so the TV uh, final, which is supposed to get the largest audience, is missed? It's a small percentage. On a particular day, on a particular hour, that percentage is zero point something. Now, I would support that, and I would agree with that, if the money of those TV rights, if part of that money that ESPN or whoever watches all over the world gets that, ends up in the hands of the parks, the coaches, the high schools, the programs, of course, I think it's well worth 
spending $180 million in one roof in case it rains on a particular time, on a particular moment, on a particular day, so it interferes with the transmission. And it would also have to rain on a particular uh, day and moment in time and frequency and volume. As you see, the more I speak, the sillier it sounds. But guess what? USTA, $180 million three or four years ago. This year, they invested $600 million on another roof for another, uh, another stadium. That is $180 plus $600 million. That's almost $800 million. Add to that $200 million for player development. Now we're at a billion dollars with a B, a billion dollars. And add to that the $6 million for the Labor Cup that starts tomorrow. Javier? So in the past. Yeah. Javier, can I interrupt for a minute? It, of course. Uh, I, I appreciate all those numbers, and I think they're important. But I see you're adding, for instance, $200 billion for player development, which we all have our own biases. And as a coach, I think that's important. Uh, I see a different – I think that the uh, media people, uh, or the marketers rather, and the coaches, somehow we have to get together because I do see we're spending, you know, it's different, uh, and, and we have different views on that. But are you telling me that nobody in the USTA has challenged you on your numbers or asked you in to question you or – or I'll ask you something. If you were now the director of the USTA, what would you right. do? Well, the first thing I would do is make sure that I understand the problem. And I don't. I think the USTA has to be split because the USTA has the entertainment division, which is the U.S. Open, which is the money maker, which mm-hmm. is great. The other thing is tennis. It's two different things. It's not the same thing. And that's the first thing I would do is I would split it. We, it cannot be together. It cannot be both because they, they can't do both right. They can't do both right, first thing. Second thing, for example, take player development. Player development is important, but what does it support? Does it support the idea that we have to have an American because this is the underlying philosophy that the USTA has, which is if we have an American tennis, we'll grow. No, it won't. No, it won't. The reason is that's the old theory of working when we didn't live in this current era. Right now, it doesn't matter where the person comes from. What matters is that he has the right personality. If John Isner was the number one player in the whole universe, you won't get a single player extra to play tennis than you currently have right now. You won't. My question is, though, if we don't have a talented uh, people playing. There's someday do we people just stop watching this because there just isn't enough talent. Now, from my own bias as a coach, the development of talent becomes important because if we don't have the talent there, you know the game changes and will people still be going there or are we or does the USTA or I shouldn't say maybe the ITF feels that's okay because the gamblers like that concept better because now we don't know who the better players are and 
I mean, is that what we do, come and do? It seems like there's so many challenges, and this is why I like a discussion going on, because I think we all, you know, I know some people claim there's, they don't have no bias. Maybe I'm the only one in the world that has a bias that admits it. I don't know. But, I mean, we're all looking for one aspect of it, and we're not, we're not t- talking to each other. Well, that's, so let me address your your question. Your question was, what would you do? First thing I would do, I would split it. The entertainment thing is one thing. I don't particularly care for that. The other thing is growing the sport. The solution is to making sure the money ends up in the hands of the people who could actually grow the sport. Because if you have a lot of kids playing, the stars will come up. If you have a, a lot of kids playing, a lot of parks, a lot of competition, a lot of coaches, guess what will happen? The market, the free market works. You will get the best coaches with the best programs, but you will encourage a lot of participants. Let me give you an example. Florida section, my section, they receive three million, three point some million dollars every year for from grant money from USTA National. You would think out of that much money, right? Three and a half million dollars or three some three point four something that they get, you would think that most of it would be used. When I say most of it, a nonprofit, a nonprofit is supposed to spend in overhead 30% and in programs 70%. So if you have $3 million, you're supposed to spend 70% of that or $2.3, $2.1 million in programs. What does that mean? High school programs, coaching programs, coaching education programs, maybe tournaments, maybe symposiums, or maybe uh, opening up to different facilities in different parts of the state, well-funded well with high technical education, with great groups of great coaches who want to work and grow the game. But guess what? Spend in overhead more than $3 million. So you know how much money of how much does the kids get out of that? Nothing. So the USDA National gives $3 million, but the local section eats it. In what? In, co- in, 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 in coordinators for leagues, in, 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 in competitive tennis coaches that they have. I mean, mostly it's payroll and travel. And all you got to do, for those who don't believe me, because I don't speak without facts, all you got to do Look for the 990 form. The 990 is the IRS form that they are required by law to put out. You get it, and you will see the numbers that I'm telling you. So the funds, John, don't get to the kids. So here's where I have a serious difference with the USTA. There's a lot of good people. I know a lot of good people there. But you can't tell me that we are the best-funded sport in the face of this earth and if we eat all the money and never leave the money for the parks, the kids, the coaches, the facilities, of course the game is going to die. It is mismanaged, absolutely mismanaged. Well, I think you have a, I think you have a valid point there, and I, it's just a shame that we can't just discuss it. I know in uh, the, the three-part article in Florida Tennis Magazine, 
uh, 90% of my response is people using derogatory language and the USTA will never listen, the USTA doesn't care. And I, I just, we, I'd like to just remind the people, we are the USTA. We're, we're all members. And I just want to find out how do we get to people, how do we get into the discussion? Now, how, what would you consider the use? In, and I, I'm not an accountant, so I don't know when you're saying, you know, overhead. Would overhead be, because I think it would be a good funding, would getting the coaches together, uh, with marketing people together, and having a, a discussion about where we should be going in the future. Now, is that supportive of coaches? Is that supportive of the kids program? Or is that just overhead? And I know we're not doing that, but, I mean, if we did do that, we're, how does that fit into an accountant situation? Well, for example, overhead means whatever the business needs to just operate, turning the lights on, paying the employees, uh, paying the accountants, and, and whatever that is. So there's money to do things for the sport, and there is no money to do things for the sport, even though there's plenty of money to do it. So the USDA doesn't change for one very simple reason. If you were to do the right thing, you would actually have to get rid of a lot of people. It's just plain simple. For example, why does marketing have to be done for Florida and marketing have to be done for Georgia and marketing have to be done for Alabama and Thurs and California? All, so all more people, they're doing the same exact thing. That's like, like, that's like for example, saying, Okay, since I live in Florida and I use T-Mobile, uh, we need to have, to, <clears throat> to have reps, customer service reps in Florida for the Florida people, in Texas for the Texas people, in Wisconsin for the Wisconsin people. That makes no sense. You have them somewhere, one group, and it does it for everybody. So there's so many people that are employed that shouldn't be employed. So many people that do the same thing over and over and over and over again. So, for example, the USDA gives roughly $49 million <coughs> for the section. But guess what? I just told you how Florida uses it, right? Mm-hmm. They use it yes. because they, out of that $49 million, let's say 50 so it's easier to figure it out. You know how many, how many uh, competitive coordinators there are in all 17 sections? Four or five per section times 17, why? It's a complete waste of money. Those people are never going to grow the game. (laughs) Organizing an event is not growing the game. Making a tournament is not growing the game. We need to get the kids in. Javier, how about if we, uh, one of my concerns, as I told you when we talked, I don't want you agreeing with me. I want you to... uh, you know, defending your position. But I've always felt that one of the problems with the 17 sections is that these sections could be good if we were using them to develop the ideas, to test things, and maybe even test marketing things. And then 
the national looks at them and decides, okay, I like what they're doing. We could do that like you just said nationally on that. But to me what's happening is that the national is telling all the sections what should be done. So we're not getting the we're not utilizing the seventeen sections uh right because they should be giving information up instead of the information going down to them. How where and how am I wrong on that? Explain that please. <clears throat> well you're not you're not wrong, but you are wrong. Let me explain. Imagine that the, the, the head office uh is supposed to say what to do, right? Well that right. makes very little sense. That makes very little sense because the head office can't possibly know what works in Florida, what doesn't work in Florida, what works in Wisconsin. Well, it, it, they can't. They don't. They don't know that. So they have to actually just be worried about doing one thing. What is that? To make sure that the funding is available, so the individual sections do what they think is best to grow it in their area. But the problem is this. The problem is is that the sec the whole USTA has gotten in business there's something called the lifestyle business. And that means the business is beautiful. It it gives you whatever it gives you. In this case they live off of the donation or the grants from the national, right? And they just live mm-hmm. off it. They don't care to grow it. They don't care to expand it. They don't care to use it. They just do what the national says. So because you don't make these sections compete, we live in a capitalistic society. They have to compete. Don't compete. They love what they have because the money's coming there no matter what. And guess what? You do not argue with national, which has their own self-interest. Their interest is to keep those salaries high. Nobody asking questions. And they, they tried actually to control everything without actually being responsible for it, which is another. And so what happens? What happens is the people employed by the USTA have a life business. They work from nine to five and then they leave. They're all going to get their check no matter what. And the coaches that are out there trying to make a living, trying to recruit somebody, finding great talent, maybe from a family that doesn't have any funds and the family quits because they can't, they can't support it or they can't go for a trip, trip. So we, meaning we, the people outside the USDA, have to live under the open market conditions, and they live insulated and protected by their lifestyle business. That how dare anybody dare question them. Let me give you another example. If, if anybody from the USDA is listening to me, if you receive $3 million a year to grow the game, the first person you hire as a nonprofit is a person who's going to get more money from the local businesses to support it and not be happy with $3 million, but make those $3 million $6 million so we help more kids. But if you just look at their 990 forms, the IRS forms, you know how much they spend on a person who would do this? Nothing. No. So guess what? Since they don't do have anything to spend, somebody getting money from the local companies, the car company, whatever company is in state. So they receive the money, $3 million. They don't spend trying to get more money from a, a highly qualified individual would get more money. 
from, from grants, from funding from other people. And rather than try to benefit more kids or more coaches or more parts, they have their lifestyle business. I don't know what a lead coordinator does, but really? A lead coordinator, what could they possibly do between Monday and Friday for the tournaments that are played every other week? How hard could that be? And how many people do you need for this? I imagine if I go to the I do think the one thing that uh, when I was younger, I was very involved with the USTA. I spent eight years on the USTA Florida board. I always felt one of the strengths of the USTA was getting their volunteers. Uh, they were the lead coordinators. They weren't being paid, and I thought they did uh, a, a quality job, but that's my opinion. Let me ask you no, one no, no. more question. Go let, ahead. Let me, let me Go address ahead. that. Let me, ask, let me address that. The volunteers are free, and they're fantastic. Right. If you go to the website, USDA Florida, find out how many people are league players there. I think there's like 10 league coordinators, 10. How much could they make each? Look at all the money there, wasted. Okay, let me ask you another question. One of the things that uh, a lot of coaches felt problems with is the ranking system that the USDA had. And quite frankly, for uh, almost five years as uh, the tennis chairman for the state of Florida, for the uh, Florida Athletic Coaches Association, trying to go with the, uh, getting the change to the UTR uh, system. Uh, I, I got fought continuously by the USTA, and, it, you know, the argument is, uh, that, you know, only the people that can really afford to travel, you can't really tell who the top 20 are or top 30 because you're telling who they are to, that can afford to travel. And I'm not being critical of the USTA with that because I have two grandchildren uh, going into college on baseball scholarships, and my daughter spent a fortune traveling around the country with them on baseball, so it's with other sports too. But... What is, what's your feeling about the UTR rather than the USTA ranking system? The USTA ranking system is a flawed system because it makes people buy points. The, peop, the people that play are the people who can afford to play and therefore travel, and they by traveling, they earn more points. And these are the same people that start looking for a way to make points. This system has created an enormous gap. And the gap is in the age of 16 because 14-year-olds know whether they're good or maybe not so good. They are programmed to play the 18s, and then that's why when you look at the 16s, there's very few players playing because people are trying to purchase points. So this makes no sense. So people who go to, let's say, the level 3 level, whatever level, are the people who have the most points. And when you speak to these parents, They'll tell you, oh, no, my kid is only playing states. Oh, we only do this, and the kid doesn't even have the level to justify that logic, and the kid's not even playing other kids who don't play well, because maybe they can't afford it. So this system is stupid, and the results are we have only, only 26,000, I think, players who play more than six tournaments a year. Age 18, only 2,500 play more than six. I mean, basically, that means nobody plays. 
And this is why we have what we have. The UTR, in a sense, it's good, but in a sense, it's not good because the UTR is going to give a fair ranking. And right now, the UTR, for example, is having problems in which people don't want to play the back draws because they don't want to drop their UTR either. But over time, the UTR is a, is a good replacement to the USTA ranking system, which you don't have to believe me. All you got to do is go to Tennis Link, and you will see how many people are signed up for a given tournament, and then we see if you recognize the names, and you'll realize it's just the same little amount of people. And this is the key to the problem. The problem is that the USTA has a system created that does two things. It keeps their jobs. That's their priority. Tennis is not the priority. Because if it was, they wouldn't have so many people working first. And second, they would be developing programs and talking to coaches, parks, cities, kids, and parents to figure out how to increase it. They don't do that because they have no intention to do that. you got to realize that. Then you got to also understand that if their intention was to grow the game, they would actually hire people to help grow it, which is getting people to bring in more money through their foundations, which they don't. And they would try to make it affordable, which they don't. And the system created rewards those with most money, therefore eliminating and excluding people. We've been at this system for quite some time. This system has given us what we have, which is we have no players. Here. Here's the problem coaches face. The coaches right now, unfortunately, are too old. Well, I, means, can't argue, I can't argue that, that's for sure. This well, is not the all problem. of our zone is me, Javier. No, no, I don't mean that. Because what I mean is if I was running things, I would make sure the coaches have a solid business that they could later sell to a younger person who wants to buy that business. And if we help the coaches create a succession, but we got to help them. We got to help them create the business and we got to help them bring the kids because it's not about the forehands or the backhands. It's about doing things right for the country, for the kids, for the coaches. Right now, if there's a coach who's really strong in any place, in any given park, let's say, of the few that are still out there, he leaves. Nobody's going to take over that park. You know why? Because the young people are not going to go. The young adults are not going to go. So the business that the retirement money that the coach could have left with by selling, almost like a doctor, the doctor sells his practice, a young doctor comes in and takes over. But guess what? He gives plenty of money to the, young, to the older retiring doctor so he could actually retire. But it's well worth it because he's built, he, the new coach comes in and has a base and he has his new ideas and will build with that. But when you destroy that bloodstream and the USTA has destroyed it, you get the problem that we have, which is the coaches are too old, the younger coaches are not interested, the young adults are not interested, kids don't want to play because there is no interest in it, and therefore the parks are empty. Going back to the example of the USDA, how can you invest $6 million in the Labor Cup and not invest $6 million in high school tennis or in coaches? 
Well, I think that's a a valid uh, point. I mean, I've wondered about that. I look at this next-generation tennis. um, The only thing new I see in that, I mean, uh, it's stuff that we were doing 40 years ago. Uh, The only thing new I see that I like is that uh, you have to, you know, they're going to get you, if you have been arrested before, they're going to do that there. But my worry, and I don't know, and you seem to be able to get those numbers, is how much money are we spending to market something that we change the name of every two or three or four years? I mean, I got in trouble with my wife because her tenant under program, uh, the USTA said, you know, John, you were on the board. You know, you've got to get up with the new name and everything. And I finally talked her into changing the name. And then the next year they said, we can't use that name no more. It's owned by a computer company or something. And now, so then they changed it to 10 and under. But we've been doing those programs for I don't know how many years. It was it used to be an ITF program. And, and I think that's why I think somehow we've got to be able to communicate and talk. And I'm so disappointed that the USPA hasn't contacted you uh, and what I and I'm truly disappointed in my three piece article that uh, the response I got negative uh, about the USTA, but then I didn't receive response from the USTA saying, you know, that seems valid, but did you look at this point of view? Nobody responds. I am leaving next Thursday open. So if anybody wants to take an opposite view, I I shouldn't say that, not anybody. If the USTA wants to take an opposite view or to clarify things that they feel you didn't present the right information, I'm going to leave next Thursday open. I've been blessed to have uh, guests and mentors that they agree this is an important subject, and they're willing not to – you know, give me the latitude that we can keep that open. I, if I will contact you if I do get a response from the USTA. And while I normally don't take uh, phone-in messages because of an incident, I'm not computer savvy, but if, if I do get a response from, and it doesn't have to be the national, it could be USTA Florida, USTA Southern, Anybody in the USTA that wants to respond, I will sit there and put on the the broadcast next week, and I will let you know so that I would give you an open line to listen and to comment too because I think we need to have a discussion if we really love this game. And I do like the idea that you sit there and do the research and get back. And I think that's important. We can't yell at each other. We have to listen to each other. And uh, I have about five more minutes on the broadcast, and I'm going to give it to you so you can finish up what you think we should be going. Well, I think we need to understand two things. And in, in, in this little time left, uh, obviously I want to thank you for inviting me. To all those people who listen, depending on the age you are, remember this. The USTA is what it is because we let it be that. 
we have to take control of tennis. We cannot. They steer the game for so far, and it's nowhere. I'm sorry. We have 43,000 zip codes. They invested in one. Possible for the game to grow if they invest in one zip code when we have 43,000. Also, we have to remember the following. When you go wherever you go, look at the empty courts in high schools or middle schools, especially in Florida. You'll see nobody uses them. Look at the park. When you go to the park, nobody using them. On a Saturday, on a Sunday, pay particular attention. When you go and you see some people on the court, try to figure out how old they are. You'll see that the people who play are the old people. That means the sport needs change. And the only way it will change is if we challenge the USDA. But we cannot think that the USDA is going to do what's right for tennis. The USDA will do what's right for them. And I can show and expose every single number that I put because I've studied all these financials hoping to get a meeting with them. They don't want to meet. They don't want to meet because there's no explanation for this. The explanation is we need to take over tennis and we need to demand that's what we need to do. And if we don't do anything, the sport will end in an even worse situation than it is now. We don't have any kids playing. We don't have any young adults playing. The people that mostly play are the older people who are soon leaving to two sports, pickleball and cardio tennis, and that explains why that grows. Not because there's new people playing, but because those are the older people of the tennis population that are migrating to that sport that is less stressful on them. And we need to actually talk. And, and, and I have uh, my own bias on pickleball because um, years ago, I'm not sure the date, but uh, with our 10 and under program, the, some people were complaining to the city about the young kids taking all the courts. And we developed a, a game, well, originally I called it 66 uh, doubles, play and stay doubles. I contacted the USTA at a PTR meeting. We had a discussion. They just, uh, I won't say who he was. He said, uh, I suggest you change it to 60-60, and that way we could use the 60-foot court. I said, okay, agree. We did that. I went from Florida, New Orleans, doing surveys. The, the people that were really, really active and good players would rather continue playing tennis, but everything was positive on going to the smaller court with tennis. I was told, hold off a year or two, let us get the tenant under off the ground. And quite frankly, uh, that was disturbing because uh, we can't do two things at one time. Uh, that was a little discouraging. And today, pickleball has taken over, and even where I live. And uh, so, I, I have to truthfully say, I resent that, and I and I think it, we caused the problems. We're the USTA members. We've got to stand up and fight for the things. And I probably should have been more assertive. I wasn't. 
we need we need the USDA members, especially the older members, the senior members, to speak up because this is not going in the right direction. And I want to close with this, John, and I know you're on, you're at the top okay. of the hour. We cannot we cannot accept to be the best funded sport in the universe, in the wealthiest country, with the largest middle class, with the fewest kids playing tennis of any sport. This is absolutely unacceptable to me. And it should be to everybody listening. Well, Javier, I thank you so much for being on. Uh, I appreciate the frankness. Uh, I, I hope I kept my word. I said I wouldn't. It wouldn't be an I got you broadcast, but I would uh, ask questions of you, which I, I did, and I, I knew you would be willing to uh, defend your uh, positions. I do want to remind everybody that uh, talk to your USDA officials. Uh, tell them that there's a lot of people out there, and we have questions and. I will give the next week's show to the, the USTA if they want to have somebody on there. But we are the USTA, and we have a right to be uh, listened to. And I think the, the time is gone when, I mean, in my, my commentary a few weeks ago, my, my own grandkids uh, going to college on baseball scholarships instead of their mother played high school uh, tennis. Their father used to come down and work with my better uh, players. Uh, uh, their uncle uh, up there in Connecticut, the John Denise School of Tennis was my son's. I was the other John Denise uh, in there. He was, their uncle was uh, a college player and uh, uh, an instructor. And my own grandkids are playing college baseball on um, baseball scholarships. We're just losing too many people, and my own bias is we have to go through the high schools uh, and to the college. And matter of fact, the next uh, issue in Florida Tennis Magazine will be a two-part uh, article on college tennis and who's to blame for college tennis well, you find out that there's a lot of blame to go around, and it's not all the college uh, coaches. Uh, everybody you hear it all the time, and my wife claimed, you know, all the time when I was on the board of directors, what are you doing? How come we don't have more kids, uh, American scholarships? Well, it isn't just the college coaches. It's uh, the ITF. It's the USTA. It's the United States Congress, and it's the president of the United States. So um, those of you that listened to the broadcast two weeks ago, I think uh, learned things, and I learned things that I didn't know. And uh, there was so much information, I'm just not smart enough to put it into a one-piece article. So Jim March, the uh, uh, producer of Florida Tennis and the editor, agreed to. Uh, he said, go ahead, John, put it in a two-part article. So that's what we'll be doing. Uh, tell your friends to listen uh, next week. I'd be curious if we're going to see uh, the USTA on. Javier, I don't know what your schedule is. If uh, I will let you know if they, uh, somebody, anybody uh, commits, uh, and then I will uh, let you know. And if you're available, I would love to have you on. I know your number. 
So have a blessed week, everybody, and I look forward to talking with you again next week. Bye now. Bye-bye.